Welcome to the History Slam podcast from ActiveHistory.ca. Here's your host, Sean Graham. Thank you, Adam. Welcome to the History Slam, everybody. I am Sean Graham coming at you today nearly live from Ottawa, Ontario with a terrific episode that we recorded back in February with Sylvia Smith, one of the coordinators of Project of Heart, a fantastic program that teaches kids about the residential school system in Canada and the way in which this program started, the very organic way that that it had its origination is really quite fascinating. And Sylvia talks about that on the podcast. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sylvia Smith. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So Project of Heart, we just went through some of the, the amazing things the project has done. But for anyone who isn't familiar with the project, where did this idea come from and what is it that you're doing? This started as a result of young teenagers, grade 10 history students, who were pretty upset uh, when they found that uh, what they had been learning most of their lives and what they had been learning most of their lives in history was a European history, was a history that was full of, of grand older men, uh, mostly English speakers, and many of them were taking it over again for the second time or maybe even the third time because it just didn't hold their interest. This is at a school, an alternate school, uh, called Elizabeth Winwood in Ottawa, and I was their teacher. So Project of Heart actually started because kids felt that there was a need for greater education of the past that they considered hidden, of the past that uh, they wanted to look at more carefully, and that a past that they thought deserved to be, the truth deserved to be told about it. So I am the kind of uh, teacher, I guess, that when I see uh, students' passions being raised and, a, and, and an interest in something that goes deeper than just the surface will facilitate that. Mm-hmm. And so um, one student in particular was learning about Indian residential schools, and she f- was perusing the Internet and uh, found that there were all these children that died. And, of course, that begged the questions, why did this happen? I've never heard this before. Why am I just finding out about it now? And why was it almost accidental? Because the history book that they were learning from, which is still, by the way, okay to teach from mm. today, uh, had 63 words in it dedicated to Indian residential schools. That's oh. out of a of a out of a textbook a that textbook. has 420 pages in it. Okay, oh, that's so terrible. yes, yes, by anyone's standards, that yeah. is that is terrible. Uh, so. Yeah, making sort of a long story short, I said, well, do something about it then. I'll, I'll support you in whatever you want. And she and some of her friends made a, um, proposal to the staff. Uh, they wanted to get some tiles, some small wooden tiles, so that they could start decorating these tiles and commemorating the laws of all the children that went to these schools. And they wanted to get as many resources as they could. So this was, you know, this was Online, they got as many as they could, and because the archives is close by, we were able to hit the archives. And these students actually put into being something that was really, really meaningful, and not just for them, but for the rest of the students in the school. I was the facilitator. I sort of helped them piece it together so that it would make sense and follow a a, a certain path. And... uh, 
they were right. This did uh, hit the heart of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I guess, well, Project of Heart just became something that our school did on, on a continuous basis. And uh, uh, one day, um, a couple of community members had you know, heard about it, and they participated in one of the sessions. And keep in mind that this wasn't just for schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was also for, well, any group that actually wanted to learn something about their history. So faith groups found out about it. There, were, there have been yoga clubs and book clubs that have done Project of Heart. Anyway, these two community members said, we want to nominate you for a Governor General's Award. And I, I was very hesitant because this was not my... I, I didn't consider this my project. This was a community project. An elder, um, an Ojibwe elder, even named the project. So I thought, you know, this just this doesn't really feel right. But um, when I saw what they were going to do with it, in fact, they made a nominating committee. It wasn't just going to be, you know, one person. Mm-hmm. It was going to be a group thing. And they were very clever in how they went about it. They said, Sylvia, this needs to get national attention within the educators, because if this can win a national award, that means that this is this project is going to be spreading a lot more than just in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And you know they were right; they mm. were right. So it did win. An, I I don't even say I won it; I say it won. The project won. Yeah, the yeah. project won a governor general's award, and uh, I happen to be the name attached to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, you're right; it really did become very very popular. And in fact, um, at the time, this was in 2011, uh, there, the CBC was doing a documentary on, it was called The Eighth Fire. And the producer of the second episode contacted me, uh, because he found out that I was, uh, that the project had actually started in my school. And he said, I'd really like to know a little bit more about it. So I was able to give him a teacher's name very close to Toronto. And they, he and his crew went out there three, three separate times, and it's featured quite prominently. Mm-hmm. It was featured then uh, mm-hmm. in Eighth Fire. After that, after the, the Governor General's Award and that award, it truly did get that national, mm-hmm. um, that national coverage. And then, I, you know, it sort of wrote itself. Right. And, and when you look at the site, all the different schools, like there's a list of everyone who's used the the project from across the country. It's an expansive list, but before we get into that, I, I want to just focus on this built part of it because it's really that's the really interesting part to me that the students come to you and it's a really a student initiative, which is the the stereotype of high school students is that they're lazy and mm. bored and don't really mm-hmm. want to be involved. So here we are, kids who are taking a a clear interest in something, want to learn about something that isn't included in the normal courses and certainly it's something I didn't learn about in my high school history courses as far as I remember I wasn't paying that close attention in high school history I'll be perfectly honest but but then so so it, but it goes beyond sort of the core curriculum that we normally associate with high school history of memorize this learn it and tell it to me on a test and then forget yeah. it yeah. two days later and yeah. they're going and putting together something yeah. tangible so did that come from them that was their idea to to have these tiles to create these built tangible things you know it's really i it was a conversation that we had as a class and i can't even remember exactly whose idea the tile was but i know that we had discussed paper like cutting out pieces of paper and then for each life 
that uh, was lost because of this residential school experience. You would take a strip, tape it together, and then you'd build like a chain, like a paper chain. And then we thought, oh, but a paper chain, that's not going to last very long. Like we might get it up for (laughs) one day in the gym, right? And then um, we had a a teacher working at the school who loved doing woodwork, and he brought out a, a... a calendar, like a magazine, a woodworking magazine, and he said, well, take a look at this. And I I guess that's where it came from, because there were all these cutouts, these wood uh, Mm. cutouts. And we thought, oh, my gosh, this is perfect, because they kind of looked like a little gray, you know, the the shape of the tile was slightly rectangular. And that it was small. It just fit all the criteria that we would need in order to, to decorate the thousands that we knew we would need because mm-hmm. we knew that those children's deaths were in the thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they could be easily packed away, you know, because right. they're all uniform size. So it didn't take long. As soon as we landed on that, we thought, okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. We can we can decorate those. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you were saying it's not the stereotype sort of that we have of, 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 sure, of, yeah. of, of students. Yeah. I, I must say that even at this school, these were the students who fell between the cracks in the regular system. So right. that's even so, more. So even worse than the normal exactly, stereotype. Exactly. We have a worse stereotype. Exactly. These kids. Like yeah. I said, you know, yeah. one of these kids had, t- had been taking history for the third time right. because it had never been put in a relevant form where they could act and interact historically and bring that into the present mm. because it didn't take them long. I mean, they, they were able to connect the dots and be able to see that, you know, even though Indian residential schools aren't here anymore, the attitudes that spawn them still are right. uh, when we right. look at present-day uh, social justice issues. Mm-hmm. So it was a recipe made in heaven. It was, you know, anybody can interact with it. Uh, heck, some of the kids that had the most difficult time in school you know, in a, in a sort of more stereotype classroom, those were the superstars here. Right. It's unbelievable. Because it's, it's something different. It gives, right? I mean, and I'm a huge proponent myself, and I, certainly at the university level, you're somewhat restricted to, to what you can do, that there's certain standard. But, I mean, for the past few semesters, my final projects have, have on the syllabus is, is just said, do whatever you want. Uh, come talk to me first, but do whatever you want. And then... My, the, the theory behind it is they'll pick something that they're interested in, they're invested in, and therefore will do a better job. That's sort of my theory behind it. And it seems like that's very similar to what's going on here. It's, it, it, it is. It's you're taking, you're appealing to their passion. Mm-hmm. When you appeal to a passion, then you're going to get a much better product without even trying. Right. I mean, it could be because it's there. Yeah. I have to... Uh, what you said about you know allowing them to do something that they want that's exactly what my professor I was taking um, this is back in 2007 I was taking a social justice class as a as a graduate student at the University of Regina and my professor whose name is Dr. Mark Spooner said that okay the the last normally what we do is an essay here so you know choose what you want to do in your essay and I thought, oh my gosh, this is my opportunity to actually write up what my students were doing. Because the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was just in its infancy stages. This was the first one, not uh, not the second one. And uh, and I thought, wow, maybe I'll, I'll ask my prof if I can do a proposal to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Because at the time, they were calling for commemoration mm-hmm. uh, projects. 
And my professor said, just run with it. Like, I, this would never have gotten where it was had my professor not actually given me the opportunity. It, if he hadn't said, yes, that's fine, because it was like a 20-page proposal. Sure, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that gave it then its official structure, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we were we were off. And, and it's cool when there's space for that, right? Because, I mean, what's the point of history is to do stuff like this, to make it relevant and bring people in. So in a history course, there should be should be that space and then I guess another question I would have is how do you make sure or, or how do the students then connect the the tiles and the, the physical part the production to the knowledge of what happened I, I, I get the symbolic connection right. uh, of recognizing the deaths and everything but on top of that, sort of the reality and the hardship of the day-to-day life and the, the damage to indigenous communities and breaking up families, where does, how does all that get connected back into it okay. for Okay, well, I think the first thing is to understand what the project actually entails. Sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. so there are five parts of this project, the f- and keeping in mind that at that time, 2007, there is no information. No. On Indian residential no. schools for there the is, public. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the Aboriginal Healing Foundation had started it uh, had started its work, and there was lots of stuff that the Aboriginal Healing Foundation had, but that's far from getting into the public, mm-hmm. you know, and especially into the schools. Yeah. So, the the project consists consists of um, now it consists of six parts, but then it was five parts. The first part was the research. Mm-hmm. Just learning about the residential schools. How many were there? What were? Why? Uh, it's really the, the 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 intellectual part, like just the mm. knowing of the facts and getting to understand that this hidden history really may have been hidden for a reason. Right. Now that we're starting to learn something about it, yeah. then the well, second. Well, so is it just is that done independently? Uh, on the, like how how I, I'm just curious about the structure of that research uh, and how that takes place. You for know the what? Students. It will or is be it varied. It's varied. Yeah. It's varied for the in the school that I came from. It all the students learned from independent learning materials. Mm-hmm. So there was no one student at the same place at the same time. Right. Okay. Now in the in the elementary school, if you're doing Project of Heart with the with the kindergarten kids, mm-hmm. with their research is going to be looking at, is going to be reading a book, a children's right. book, like Chinchi's Canoe. Right. And it just talks, it doesn't talk about children's deaths, but it does talk about what it's like being mm-hmm. taken away from your mom and your dad right. and missing them, right? Um, so it's context, whatever the context is, you fit that research into that right, context. Right, so we can tailor it to... Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the first part is the research part, learning about the schools. The second part is for, at that time, that was it, the, the first phase of Project of Heart, uh, the school who was doing it or the classroom that was doing it in their school would pair themselves with an Indian residential school. Mm-hmm somewhere. So if they were taking, let's say, geography and they were looking at the topography in the Arctic, maybe they would have chosen something from the high uh, school from up north, mm-hmm. okay? Or if it if it was a civics class and, um, you know, they they had 143 to choose from, right? Yeah, so, right. Um, and what they would do is once they chosen that Indian residential school, they would learn something about the original peoples on whose land that school 
stood okay. or stands. There's yeah. still a couple of them around. And they'd learn about what their contributions were mm. to Canada or are to Canada. Okay? So this is where um, they can look historically at figures, you know, from what we think of as history way back, mm. uh, before the borders, the, the colonial borders were put up. Or they can look at recent, contemporary um, figures. And I can tell you right now that the students I, I deal with, it, the contemporary was the most uh, appealing. Right. Okay? You know, so yeah. they would look, take a, a look at the Coppell Indian Residential School. They found, oh, wow, Buffy St. Marie came from there, you know, yeah. after she was born. And she's, you know, so they have all this, they have a plethora of people to choose from because there have been many. We have just piles of examples of Indigenous peoples who have made it in a very non-Indigenous world, mm-hmm. uh, made successes, and have contributed to this cultural mosaic. Sometimes we don't even know they're Indigenous. So that was really good for the students because they realized that second part is absolutely essential because a lot of times when... Uh, when uh, non-Indigenous people are teaching history, we tend to always see people mm-hmm. that aren't us right. through the lens of victim. And this really brings it home to the kids that in spite of all the hardships that Indian residential schools and all the other colonial practices that have been, things have been done, we, it shows you how strong those cultures re- mm-hmm. really are and were to be able to still be here today, mm-hmm. alive, mm-hmm. well, and there's, of course, cultural resurgences that are going on all over the place. Yeah. So that's the second part. The third part, then, is where the student gets the tiles, the the wooden tiles that have not been decorated. And they know, symbolically, that each tile represents a life, the life of a child that didn't return. And the student can decorate this any way they want. This is their first gesture of reconciliation. This is them. It's a little piece of themselves that they put out there in an artistic form to demonstrate their sorrow, I guess. Um, all of our students knew that the government at the time was one of, uh, it was Mr. Harper's. They knew that that apology wasn't real. They knew that. Mm-hmm. They could tell by what had happened within six months of making the apology. Right. You know, all the funding to the mm-hmm. uh, Sisters in Spirit movement gets cut. You, you have had the money to the Aboriginal Healing Foundation that had 130 projects going on across Canada, all cut. Mm-hmm. You know, so right. the walking the talk really wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So, but they knew that even though our government might not be sorry, they were learning, and they were taking this to heart. So that's what that first gesture of reconciliation mm-hmm. is about. After they're finished decorating the tiles, then the fourth part is where a residential school survivor is invited into the learning space, mm-hmm. and that person can do with that group of learners whatever he or she wants. It may be an elder. Maybe they'll do a a smudging ceremony. Maybe the elder is also a survivor, so they can actually answer questions about Mm -hmm. the Indian residential school experience, what they had to go through. Um, Before before this person is invited in, we make sure to... uh, you know, they know what it's about, and that if it isn't part of their healing journey, then it's, you know, 
Mm. That's not the, the appropriate place. Right. So it's designed to be mutually beneficial. That's right. right. That's right. And it doesn't even have to be a survivor. It can be an intergenerational survivor. It can be a cultural worker. Whatever it is, that person has to be able to speak to the Indigenous experience as experienced by as you know, an Indigenous mm-hmm. person. So First Nation, Métis, or Inuit person. And um, so that, if, when, when, I, when I would do sort of evaluations of what the students got out of things when this was mm-hmm. finished, this always rated as one of the highest. Right. Uh, just because we are, you know, we don't get that kind of learning in schools, that heart, mm-hmm. spirit kind of learning. So mm-hmm. the kids really, that, that means a lot to them, that, that fourth part. Then the fifth part is the social justice piece. And our students knew that talking wasn't enough. They knew that it's great to decorate a tile and to have these be these lovely visual representations, but they knew that unless there was some action behind it, that you can't really build trust. Yeah. So the social justice piece was the piece where the students learned about an issue facing all Indigenous people today, mm-hmm. and then doing taking some action on that. So it's really, that's the second gesture. Mm. That's the part where it says, you know, even though um, my government might might not be sorry, we are and we're going to stand with you uh, in whatever resistance struggle or sovereignty struggle or whatever it is that you have. Mm. So our kids... Just every year, we went to Parliament Hill. We wrote to the Prime Minister or the Minister of Indian Affairs or Veterans Affairs even, mm-hmm. and uh, um, they would write letters on a number of different issues. But there were three things we always did. When uh, we were at the very first uh, Sisters in Spirit vigil where they met the families of, of those that had, you know, loved ones that went missing or had been murdered, those students developed such remarkable abilities to write that even I was astounded. Mm -hmm. They went through Amnesty International uh, reports. They did a whole other kind of research in that fifth part just because it was important that they get it right. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was right about the time, actually, the anniversary, the 10th anniversary is coming up uh, on the 24th of this month, and that is when Cindy Blackstock, Dr. Cindy Blackstock, made her... Well, and the Assembly of First Nations filed their discrimination complaint at the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal, uh, Canadian Human Rights Commission. And so our students were right in there for the very first hearing. We, they went down to the, to the federal court to support Cindy because, of course, that was when Mr. Harper was in power mm-hmm. and, uh, they fought that all the way through. Mm-hmm. So all, Right up through the rest of my teaching career, our kids were at federal court mm. supporting the, the First Nations Child and Family Caring Society. Mm. So that was how Project of Heart was. Those are the five different parts. Yep. So we sort of covered as many bases as we knew to cover. Right. And then at the national event, one of the national events in Saskatoon, one of the teachers there who had done Project of Heart with her kids realized that there was another part that we just had to do. And at that point in time, um, this remarkable educator, her name is Charlene Bearhead. She's right now the the education lead at the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation. But we gifted the 
group of people that she was working with at the time in Edmonton with Project of Heart because we couldn't keep up with it. We, mm-hmm. It was just getting to be too much. Um, the materials that we were putting together mm-hmm. were all hard copy materials. Mm-hmm. And and it, <laughs> when it, gets, yeah. it, it gets pretty... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and when a teacher says the hard copy, it's, it's, there's too much material. You know, it's too much material. And we were sending these all yeah. the way. Like I said, like yeah. we even sent them to Germany. Oh, we sent to 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 Germany. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. uh, it was yeah. big. So it's, yeah. So anyway, Charlene and her um, her crew uh, said said we'll we'll do this. We'll administer this. And of course, they're out in Western. They're out in Western Canada in Edmonton. So. At, at this point in time. So they were able to make it even broader. She just mm-hmm. brought in so many more links. And um, w- the teacher in Saskatoon said, you know what, I've been talking to a lot of survivors and a lot of them don't know about Project of Heart. She said, why don't we do something and let them know that people are caring, kids are learning about this. So that's when the sixth part was added, and that's called the survivor card. Mm -hmm. So now when uh, groups do this, they can, if they wish, develop the, the, a card with that explains what Project of Heart is, and then you open up the card, and it's got a picture of the learner group, and then they say something about mm. what this has meant to them, and they paste uh, or glue on a tile on the edge of their card, and then when they go to an event where there are Indian residential school survivors there, and they meet them, they can give them a card. Mm. And then that, it's full circle, right? right. Which is which is really terrific, and it's, it, it seems like it's something that provides opportunities for the students to if, if we're thinking, I'm thinking just the academic for a second. Like academically, yeah. it creates the connection past present, right? It, yeah. it makes it so that history isn't this static thing that happened. It doesn't matter anymore. It, it creates that linkage, and so I'm not, that I'm not, yeah. right? Yeah, and I'm not surprised that you know a lot of students would be more interested in the contemporary because that's sort of the orientation that a lot of students have. But you know, even if you take it back to the older stuff, that that history is still in play like it, it hasn't so it, oh, it's yeah. nice that it sort of all gets all gets connected and, and in that process as students are coming into contact with survivors and members of the indigenous community what is the reaction from from the people who are coming in from the from whether it be survivors cultural leaders elders what's their reaction to the project then oh really good yeah very good and in fact I'll just tell you like last week what we had ha- uh, had happened um, in Saskatoon. Indian Institute of Technology uh, contacted me because they were having a survivor, sort of like a conference. There were going to be 91 Indian residential school survivors that they uh, were um, putting on workshops and things mm-hmm. for. And she said, is there anyone that can come out from Project of Heart and, and facilitate this for us? Well, actually, you know what? Project of Heart isn't one of these things that has a, a big building and uh, a multi- million dollar funding (laughs) you know it's very grassroots and when they see the website they don't necessarily think that they think that it It comes with like it looks very not grassroots like it looks very professional it looks like yeah yeah which it which it is but it's people it's all people's volunteer time Mm -hmm. and i i often say one of the one of the reasons i think it was so successful is because it wasn't funded 
<laughs> so there was nothing to take away, right? right? I mean, a lot of times uh, grassroots organizations have a lot of difficulty with the funding because if it doesn't follow the requirement of the funder, yeah. then off you go. And, of course, when you're doing political action work, uh, even though it's nonpartisan, yeah. that's still, you know, yep. so it, it can be threatening. Sure. So. Anyway, I said, you know, don't worry about it. We'll we'll get you going. And I said, you've got enough knowledge there with the survivors that I don't think you need someone to facilitate. Mm. But I said, we can help you out. I'll send you the tiles. And here's what was so neat about this. I said, there's an elementary school in Ottawa right now that is part of the Shannon's Dream. They do the Shannon's Dream thing at their school. It's a club where Shannon Kustachin was a... First Nations young woman who, girl actually, who was very vocal about getting a school, a proper school at, on their First Nation. They hadn't had one for years and years and that was at the time, again, Chuck Strahl was the Minister of Indian Affairs and wouldn't move on that and give them what they needed. Right. So she became, she started really the first youth movement when it comes uh-huh. to equity in education. So this dream lives on. As Shannon was killed tragically in a car accident uh, on her way back to her home mm-hmm. community. But the, the dream is there. And these kids, we've got kids all across the country that have these Shannon dream clubs. And they create little postcards in this school. Um, it's uh, Lady Evelyn P- Alternative School. And they color the most beautiful postcards and it'll be you know Shannon's it'll be schools like equity for all students and have a heart for First Nations kids like it's all Mm -hmm. part of uh, trying to get the government to to live up to their responsibilities Mm -hmm. and uh, I said these kids have a hundred of these cards I said would you like me to send them out to you to the survivors Mm -hmm. and I said if you're doing Project Apart this can be their social justice piece I said they already have the the labels on them Mm -hmm. for the Prime Minister (laughs) I said and I all you have to do is show a clip of of Cindy Blackstock talking about why this issue is important and why the Mm -hmm. government needs to implement Mm -hmm. the human rights order you know, right. to, to, to fund these children in all aspects of their lives to the same extent that they do non-Indigenous children. And she said, that's great, we'll do that. Oh, nice. So those n- n- hundred cards went out from this school, so there's now the connection mm-hmm. with these young, mostly settler kids who are being connected with all of these uh, survivors in Western Canada. And then on the day after Have a Heart Day, on the 15th of February, they're going to Skype with each other. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, so the, cool. the survivors, the kids can see the survivors with, with their postcards, yeah. with their beautifully colored and marked postcards, and the, the same thing with the kids. So yeah. it's just this relationship builder mm-hmm. that pokes holes in all of our silos, you know, so that uh, we can begin to build that thing that we need, that right. um, kind of knowledge base that mm-hmm. speaks to the heart. Right. In, in that realm, though, I mean, now you have some capital and some the, the experience of when you go to, to different groups, you could, you have this track record of this is what we've done. But I'm curious, early on, you have your teacher, you have the, your students who are interested in, in this idea and learning more about this issue. And did you personally have experience 
with these issues and and how did you take the kids thirst for knowledge and take that to indigenous communities and and how were those initial connections made i'm curious about because i think one of the things that maybe a lot of historians non-indigenous settler historians may be nervous about is those initial connections with the indigenous community or indigenous communities more not not out of any ambivalence or anything else, but more out of just an uncertainty of how to approach these issues. So I think a lot of folks just avoid them as much as they can, which of course is counterproductive. So I'm curious as to those initial steps as to how you created those bridges uh, and brought everyone together. So the first thing I had to do was make sure that this project was actually an ethical project and that it would be supported. Mm. And I did all the groundwork. I contacted Indigenous scholars from across Canada as well as non-Indigenous scholars uh, from across Canada, and I said, what, does this have agency? Because, you Mm. know, you can't get numbers. Like, there are no... (laughs) You you don't keep track of genocide and and write each person's name, right? And a lot of these records were burned in the schools Mm -hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. But I had such... Um, okay, generally speaking, on behalf of the the scholars who were who were non-indigenous, there was more of a cautious note. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and also I was told, don't call it genocide, but still thoughtful. I, 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 you know, they didn't try to dissuade me, but it, they were right. a little like it did seem very. It, it did seem like I might be biting off a little bit too much. When an ambi- they, like when you hear it, it's a, it's a super ambitious project. Yes, they yes. thought it might be a little bit ambitious. Yeah. Okay, then I contacted the Indigenous scholars, and Marie Batiste from the University of Saskatchewan was very helpful because she opened up it, opened it up to all of the uh, Indigenous uh, scholars that she works with. And it was quite, uh, it was very good. He said, right, yes, yeah. go ahead with this. And none of them, not one, had a problem with the G word either. Okay. So, you know, then I went to, uh, I went to Peterborough and I saw uh, Jane, uh, uh, Dr. Malloy. And I said, look, because at, at that time there were really only two books. There was one by Jim Miller and then the yeah. one, uh, A National Crime by mm-hmm. John Malloy. And I live a long way from Saskatchewan, so it was easier to go to Peterborough. And we had a great chat together, and he said, it, it looks good. He said, I'd, I'd go with it. Mm. It's, so, you know, you can't do much more than that. I, right. I reached out so I know, okay, ethically, this is, this is good. I know I'm, if I'm ever questioned, I've got backup. Right. Right? Yep. So a lot of the scholars knew that this work was that it was coming, but of course, I'm just a no-name teacher. From, you know, like I'm sure I went off radar very quickly. Then, um, as soon as it started being done, and you invite, you know, the indigenous person in, it doesn't take much time at all. They talk with their communities. They talk with mm. their people. It word spreads very quickly, and there was nothing but support for this nothing but support so you know i guess i'm lucky but at the same time i don't know you're covering all the bases you're you're being proactive in reaching out to as many people as you can which is always better than being reactive 
to, if someone says, hey, what did you think about this? Was, well, oh, well, I forgot about that, right? At least, like, the, the proactive nature of it yeah. is, is really helpful. And I think another thing that works in the project's benefit early on, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's student-driven, is mm-hmm. that it's not something that you're, you're going around and saying, hey, I want to sort of include this in my class. It's students saying, we have to include this in our class. We want to know this. You put you you put the hammer to the nail's head immediately. There, it's a collaboration, mm. and as soon in the classroom, when the students see that what they're producing is of value, mm-hmm. it's not just the one-on-one. Oh, I'm giving this thing into the teacher. She's going to see it. She's going to mark it and give. The, the students in our class, in my class, couldn't have cared what mark they got. Like they've been so dispirited by the education system. They just want to pass. They don't care. And that was good for me to see. It was the passion that was coming through. And, of course, they all got wonderful marks, even though they didn't care what their mark was. But there was a different learning taking place. There was a kind of learning that our Eurocentric system cannot assess or evaluate, and that's that's the effective component, right? Mm -hmm. So... How does a teacher know when it's probably going to be okay? If you take a group of the most marginalized students that you can have in a city and they get excited about what they're learning, you know pretty darn quick that it's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the process, of course, of taking it to other schools, you have the initial enthusiasm of your students. That that would be hard to replicate, I I assume, right? That it'd be that organic because other teachers are going to bring it into their schools when it's brought into a school, how do you try to recreate that and get it so it's that collaborative effort and it's not the teacher bringing it in and students feeling as though this is just another part of the curriculum? Mm-hmm, like, I, I'm just curious as to what well, that process is like. You know, maybe like. some teachers do it and they do it like that. I have mm-hmm. no idea. I mean, it's not like I was given any release time to go and, and help <laughs> these teachers because our, my, my, my school board actually did, did not support me really in this really? at all. No. Yeah. So I think it was just too new. It was too cutting edge. I mean, at the time, 2007, that was when the ministry first mm-hmm. announced the whole strategic initiative for First Nation, Métis, and Inuit education, right? Mm-hmm. And it was the whole, you know, closing of the gap. We right. want to da 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 Okay, all within the colonizer's framework, sure. right? But, you know, we have a pretty conservative board here in Ottawa and also a board that really believes that initiatives, it, it's only proper for initiatives to come from here, mm. from, you right. know. Top so down. It's, that's right. Yeah. So we'll pay lots of money to bring in the expert from the United States to come up and tell us. I mean, that's just different boards have different mm. makeups, right? And right. ours one, is one that is very, or was at least, very proud that it followed the corporate model and, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we do. And so here's this teacher, this off-the-wall teacher doing this stuff, and I just don't know. Like, I knew more than what people did at the board, and and sometimes it's hard to acknowledge uh, knowledge when it's mm. from underneath right. you, right? right? So, it but in the end, that turned out to my benefit because I did know someone who worked uh, within the Aboriginal office at the ministry level, and he gave me um, 
a lot of emails of teachers in the province who taught Native Studies, and you know what? I went out through that network, mm. and it was amazing mm. because there were some school boards that just picked up on this like nobody's business. It was, mm. it fit what they needed for right. that time, okay. and uh, you know, it didn't take long for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to pick it up. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. Right. And, and so, one of the things that that is interesting to me is that there there is an I don't know if it's the right word, but I would say an activist element to this, um, to, to what's going on. And you talked about there's there, you got some initial resistance from the school board. Because there's an activist element to it, has there been resistance from parents? Uh, how do, like, in, in that element, because, you know, it, if, with anything, I mean, parents, some parents would see, like, go to school, learn stuff. But well, given that we're marinated as a country in racism, yes, you would think there would be. In my my individual experience, no, I got none. Oh, and great. It, yeah, and yeah. it's really because, you know, a lot of times, by the time a lot of our students got to us, Parents were getting calls home whenever they knew it was a school, they knew it was bad news, right? Right. So uh, when they were getting calls home from me talking about how well their child was doing, I don't know if they even knew what the project was. (laughs) They just didn't have a heart attack, or at least if they did, it was for a good reason. Like They were just so happy that their child Mm. was, you know, was doing well. Mm. And, um, yeah, so... Again, you know, it's the it's that affective component that mm-hmm. uh, these these kids didn't have to be convinced of anything. Mm-hmm. They knew from their own personal lived experiences what it meant to be marginalized. So they jumped on board, and it was actually then it was a collaboration that was extremely easy. In a different school, that could be a different story. So um, I guess you know, in in terms of teachers, the teachers who were contacting us to get these kits, and by the way. The Legacy of Hope Foundation provided almost all the materials oh, wow. for, for that. All three. Wow. So that was absolutely, yeah. like, it was like a library. And the, bo- the boxes were about this big. The Canadian Union of Postal Workers actually donated the boxes. Like we got wow. the, these Jeez. sort of yeah. uh, connections from collaboration. Like, it's co- yeah. It was collaboration big time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just so many people involved. And then people try to say will ask you, you know, how did this come? Well, it came from so many sources and so right. much community building. And I, I'd even forgotten at one point that it was a, um, a grant that, not a grant, um, a, yeah, I guess I applied for a grant. It was, I think, $2,000 worth or something like that from OSSTF and uh, from, from my di- division. And I got it. So that was actually the very first thing was a union Mm. You know, like yeah. that paid for the first set of tiles that we got. Uh, and we were able to also have a little lunch after uh, our first um, uh, our first survivor visit because we mm. had community members there. We had representatives from Kairos. From, we had all kinds of community people who were so excited mm. to know that there was something happening in the school like that. Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. So, yeah, so with with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, obviously that has brought to light a lot of the issues that are, are being discussed in the, in the project. Has the project changed because of that? And since the Truth and Reconciliation has released its uh, final the, the final report and all the recommendations for reconciliation, how have, how has that particular document then been incorporated 
into the the material and and I guess that's hard to say because it's, it's, it's so wonderful. individualized. It just gives right? us more and more e- more uh, solid evidence to say mm. you need to do this. Right. You yeah. know. It, <laughs> so it's wonderful because we can go into businesses or we can go into uh, places where we might not have gone before, but they've heard of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Mm. They've heard of the 94 calls to action. Well, you know what? The first three pages of that report all deal with Cindy Blackstock's uh, human human rights uh, tribunal. Hmm. It's all about children and keeping children with their families, in their homes. If we want to start doing some real reconciliation work, we'll quit taking the children away. You know? So, hey... There it is. This is the evidence. This is all the evidence we need. You need to do Project of Heart mm. because it will do that. That's why it, it's a very holistic way to mm. go about a pedagogy of 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 uh, heart right. or a pedagogy of heart and spirit. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and for teachers who want to get involved uh, or who want to bring this into their schools, is it? Is it for them to go to the site, look at all the resources? Because when you go to the site, I have to say, there is a lot of material there. And not just, like, I guess I'm an educator because I teach at the yes, university. But, but, <laughs> like, I, but I was looking at it from the sense of not an educator because the way I would consume a lot of the website is, is me, Sean, every right. man walking around. And there's a lot of stuff on there that isn't pedagogy specific. Which is great, but I, I could also see if I was a teacher going on there and almost being overwhelmed by the volume. So, you know, how, how do how do teachers tend to approach this and, and, and incorporate it? Or, All the teacher actually has to do is just look at those steps. Mm. The steps are written out and they're very very clear. There's a very short bit that actually explains, you know what you do in a very prescribed way and then the reason given for it Mm. right like you always have to give reasons why you will do this and so it goes through step one step three step four step five and what was brilliant is when um when charlene's crew took over what they did all the resources that, that we had been packing up in hard copy well they just put it on electronically mm. so now groups weren't dependent on getting their box right of all of their resources and their tiles all the information is there mm-hmm. you know the archival stuff is there all the stuff from the aboriginal healing foundation all the newer stuff so there's its own library almost mm-hmm. right so they don't have to worry about any cost for them at all except they have to buy their own tiles right you know and, and but the link is there this is who you would get them from we we even have a canadian supplier now if they want to uh if they want to go canadian they're not quite as good i like how we uh, under free trade how we sell all of our our lumber to the united states right. and then they cut it up there and then they sell us back our own wood <laughs> but you know we get it from texas okay. uh the, the 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 quality is a little better than the canadian products because the canadian ones are soft wood and mm. uh most people do this Unless you're an art teacher, uh, most people don't feel really confident about the decorating part. Right. But when they that'd when, be what I'd be the most nervous yeah, about. Yeah. Well, and me, yeah. you know, I'm not yeah. an artist. But it's amazing if you do this, you find out who the artists <laughs> are in your room. <laughs> this this one that I, sh- I had showed you. This yeah. Was, yeah. This those was ones, yeah. This was the very first student that did it. I had no idea 
that she knew. It was the first to, person who did that's them? the very first student. Those are so obviously like obviously we're on audio here, but so they're they're painted blue flowers, very intricate designs yeah. with with dots, like and there's a crying girl on one like these are it's spectacular. Like, yeah. yeah. So uh, it was an auspicious start. You know? <laughs> that, that, that's the way it's going to start. But, you know, it's uh, Sharpies, right? Because mm-hmm. Sharpies, anybody can use them. They're not going to spill all over the place. The only thing you have to do is make sure that they're not water-soluble. Right. And I'll tell you that as someone who, who did this for the first uh, seven, almost seven, uh, ten years... There were. A l- I, I realized how many teachers, how many of us have got our own challenges with reading directions, because <laughs> I would get some back yeah. that weren't uh, permanent, <laughs> and that maybe a cup of coffee had been spilt on that they didn't know oh. about or whatever. So, yeah, you do have to read the directions carefully. <laughs> At one point, they were very beautiful, but then something got on them. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and so with the, with the tiles, I mean, you you have a, a you brought in a couple of magazines and a book. So some of the examples of things that have been made, and the canoe is spectacular. The wampum belts um, from New Brunswick is, is amazing. In in terms of sort of the final products, what tends to happen with them? Okay, so this is where Project of Art has gone through uh, phases. The first phase was the phase I w- was responsible for, and when I and when the classroom, when my students and I first started this, we had no idea it would get as big as it got. Right. Right. So our our idea was that this would be we would try to get a, a, around fifty thousand. We ended up collecting fifty two thousand of them, and uh, they uh, our vision was that these would be curated at the uh, Human Rights Museum in Winnipeg. The oh Canadian yeah. Museum. Now, as it turns out. Project of Heart is there, but it's not. It, but the tiles aren't. They they have a, a visual, uh, a visual and an audio corner with Project of Heart very nicely okay. displayed. Um, these are now at the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation. So they're uh, they're figuring out how they're how they are going to curate these. Mm. So I don't know if it's going to be fifty two thousand of these, you know, lining three walls, or if it'll be. That is still a work in progress. Okay. The second phase was um, these were the Truth and Reconciliation Commission itself gave funding to um, Aboriginal uh, artists in okay. every province and territory so that uh, schools who participated in this would send their tiles to that location and then there would be an artistic presenta- uh, representation. So mm-hmm. in Ontario it's at uh, Algoma College because that was, that was uh, a school. That, yeah. yeah, that was an yeah. Indian residential school that's still standing. It's yes. part of Shinwa. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, beautiful. I mean all of these they were done by artists, mm-hmm. right? With all of So each of them are different. Each of them are stunning and you just have to know where it is in which province that the that the commemorative exhibit is. Uh, for example, the canoe that that travels, okay. so it's in a in a, in one place at one time. I don't know exactly where it is, which place in BC it is now, it, mm. but it it goes on tour. Right. I don't. Right. We should just say it, uh, it's a canoe with sixteen thousand tiles mm-hmm. lining both the inside and the mm-hmm. outside, which is yeah. Like you, the photo you brought, it's spectacular. And this, um, I know that this, yeah. the, uh, for uh, New Brunswick, this the is The Wampum in, Belt. The Wampum yes. Belt is housed in the education department at the University of New Brunswick. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's and it's on 
this I would assume that's steel or iron. Yes, um, it's iron frame. iron frame. Uh, and it's it's it almost looks like a, a ramp um, going <laughs> like up the way it's laid. Yeah, 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 which is and, and the, uh, very colorful and um, yeah. spectacular. So that's on the campus of UNB. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a good like in the Department of Education no less. Like, that's yes. A, yeah. a, a very And uh, I think the Alberta commemorative exhibit is at the U of A as well. Okay. I think. And that's got a canoe, a birch bark canoe that had been damaged, and it's being fixed. The the project of heart tiles are the patches that oh. are putting the canoe together, and then there's a plexiglass wave that the canoe sits in mm-hmm. uh, to house the canoe, and then names and things are are incised into that plexiglass. Again, very very beautiful. Yeah. So that's on U of A's campus. Oh, spectacular! Yeah. Spectacular. So, so for you now, and, and as one of the people involved at the earliest stages, what, what's the ultimate, or is there an endpoint for the project? No. It's sort of, it seems like it's an ever-evolving collaborative process. Yes, and it's, um, you know, it's, okay, so the second phase was the, was the commemorative ex- exhibits, and mm-hmm. then the third phase is it going back into the communities themselves mm. so that people can utilize, can be, you do Project of Heart and have that be that connector, that point of connection with the Indigenous people in their own local territory. Mm. Because that's really where, that's the hard, that's the hard work part. It's mm. in our backyards, right? It's making the relationships within our own communities so that we're not these two solitudes, right. you know, the the settlers and, and, and the indigenous people. And there are some schools that have done some really, really stuff, lovely stuff with mm-hmm. theirs as being sort of that center place. There's also another organization. Uh, it's called Justice for Indigenous Women. And at, as part of Part 5, if you go onto the website, there are these different social justice pieces that you can do. Uh, Justice for Indigenous Women is now on there, and what groups can do if they like is they can take their gestures of reconciliation and they can make them into jewelry. Mm-hmm. And yeah, these so become and, and witness pieces. Yeah, and so for the, the listeners, you're wearing a necklace that has the, an image of uh, an Indigenous child that you that you is on a necklace now. Yes. So that's yes, sort of a, a visible sign of... And this child did not return home. Okay. This child was, uh, I believe, at St. Hans Indian Residential School. Okay. They can they can do that, and if they want, there's an opportunity for them to um, to have fundraisers with this through educating people. For example, this yeah. is a is a necklace, and what's really neat about this necklace is it's meant for a man. Most of these necklaces are for women, uh-huh. but this is. The education piece now through this initiative, Justice for Indigenous Women, it's to educate mainstream Canadians about the trajectory of incarceration. Okay. So from Indian residential schools mm-hmm. now all the way up to the present right. uh, criminal uh, justice system right. where Indigenous people are mostly fodder for that. And uh, this looks at some of the statistics surrounding women like only what's wrong with our society when only one in 25 women in Canada is indigenous and yet they make up one, one in three in three in prison wow yeah yeah and yeah. this was two years ago so this is right at the end of the Harper era there's what's wrong with our society when there's been an 87 percent increase of indigenous women in prison over the last 10 years mm. you know and that was the conservative statistic right the statistics went as high in three different research studies they went up as high as 115 percent wow increase 
So it really shows there's a direct correlation uh, right. in the racism in our country uh, and its violation of Indigenous women uh, and its over-policing and its under-protecting. Sure. And then this part of the information mm-hmm. tag that comes with the witness piece, this is actually written by an Indigenous woman okay. who has had contact with the criminal justice okay. system. And, and well, the food wasn't good. And, yeah, the message says the food was right bad. Yeah. Um, with a, a unhappy face drawn on there yeah. uh, as well. So this is the voice that's been marginalized, right? Right. But you can bring those voices out so that Mm -hmm. people know what's actually happening there. And this piece was actually done, uh, this gesture of reconciliation was decorated by a Drumheller federal penitentiary uh, person. This was done in a man's prison. So they did Project Apart there. Oh, cool, cool. And yeah, yeah, it's sort of an outdoor landscape with the tree, the sun, looks like a lake, and... I don't want to venture animal. a guess as to what animal that is, because yeah. um, I can't really tell. But there's an animal there, so it's an outdoor landscape seen on a, on, a, on one of the tiles. So it's another way that the project then is expanding. Yeah, uh, which and so is really you, get, cool. you get a group. There were a bunch of teachers that got together, Justice for Indigenous Women teachers, and they made the the jewelry. Right. right? So you've got you get this story. How many different people have been involved in this? There's an indigenous woman here. There's the person who created the tile. Then there are the people that put the tile together. Right. And there are school children that can that have done this. And they have. um, uh, There's a school just across the across the line in Quebec. They they put on a powwow last spring, and they had made jewelry for the powwow. And then they took donations, and they made I think two hundred dollars for the. Caring society, oh, cool. so this all will go there. So, you know, there's, and as soon as people find out what it's for, it's like, yes, I want that, mm-hmm. and it's a lot easier to educate when people see something that's different and they say, right. "Wow, what is that?" You know, they're ready to listen. Mm-hmm. Unlike when you're on a street corner and you're trying to hand out yes. pamphlets and force things on people, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. When it's when it feels like. I'm taking the initiative or like, yeah, you know, nobody wants to be browbeaten yeah. by anything, regardless of how great of a cause it is. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I remember the sick kids hospital in Toronto used to, they were one of the first that I remember being with people outside. They'd have these sick kids, uh, the, the folders that said sick kids on them, trying to get people to, to stop. And I remember going to second city in Toronto. Uh, and there was a, one of their skits was a guy saying, Oh, are you interested in sick kids? And the person says, yeah. And he hands him the folder and says, I'm free. And he runs away. <laughs> it's sort of just a sign of like how few, how little traction it, th- these things on the street get. So it, this is, a, seems like a much more effective way to get people interested in such an important issue. And you know what our students did before they could go on a field trip, let's say to the federal court mm-hmm. to, uh, to witness what was going on. Before they could go, they actually had to do something, like it had to connect it to their curricula, and so, uh, it, right. to their course, right? Because you can't take kids on field trips if it's not related. So there was this student that was in business. How am I going to connect this to business? I said, I don't know. How are you going to do it? And do you know what she did? What? Her aunt owned a, a silk screening company. She got a hold of Cindy Blackstock. She said, can we use your logo? I'm going to get some shirts made so that when we go into federal court, people will know we're there to support you. 
Wow. And she did. Wow. So we all went in with T-shirts that had, actually, and there's a great picture of these if you ever want to Google it, mm-hmm. Cindy Blackstock and Peter Mansbridge, uh, when he's having, he's had uh, an interview with her. At the very end of their interview, the very end, you see Elizabeth Winwood students. There's a picture of them kneeling with their backs and the T-shirts there. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. when you when you've got time, yep. you can you can uh, go to Peter Mansbridge and, yeah. and Cindy Blackstock, and you'll oh, see yeah, those. Oh, yeah, yeah. You Google it, and <laughs> Peter Mansbridge one on one with Cindy Blackstock comes up. There you go. But you know that child. What a difference she made. She used her connection with her family to have these and of course the kids you know they, 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 we, we sold them like just to cover costs right, right. so it's about 10 bucks and if they couldn't cover it then the school did and I'll tell you Cindy Cindy has one of those t-shirts she would she mm. wears it all the time on Parliament Hill like mm. and when we were coming back from using them people on the street would come up and say what does that t-shirt what is this what is this mm. about the kids had the opportunity to tell them what they knew, right. what they learned in school. Well, get that. <laughs> so we're talking material that's not flushable. Right, which is so They're rare. not learning yeah. it just for the exam, yeah. and then they don't have to worry about it. Mm. These kids are making history, and they're transforming it mm-hmm. every day when they live what they believe. And I think that's where a lot of... Educators are losing out. Once we get, once we start learning that the, and I'll give you an example, the, uh, the teachings of the Anishinaabe peoples, okay? Their pedagogical system is to raise children that have courage, that are honest, uh, that are humble, that are respectful. Like all of those, those are the teachings, right? Mm-hmm. They're character ed in living life, right. right? When we can start getting some of those character ed things in as embedded in our institutions, then we are going to start moving that student population towards responsible citizenship. Mm. But as long as the only thing that counts, you know, oh, come on, teacher, just tell us what's on the exam. You know, right. if the only thing that counts is if you have the sort of medicine wheel that's split into four parts and you've got the intellectual or the cognitive and then you've got the physical, the kinetic, mm-hmm. the uh, if, if that's only half right. of that wheel. The other half is the heart and the spirit. Mm-hmm. And once you can start hitting those, and you can in every subject area, you can, but it's got to be authentic engagement. It can't be something that comes from the outside. So for people who are interested, projectofart.ca and that's probably the best way to get sure. initiated to it and, and, and to look through it. If you're in BC, you can go Project Apart BC. Okay, right. they've got their own website. If you go to the main website, the national website, it'll tell mm-hmm. you where all the other ones are. Yeah, there's a whole at the top yeah. on the front bar. There's there or the top bar ribbon, whatever it's called. There's yeah, all the different provinces up there, and and all the resources there. So we would encourage anyone and, and educators, not educators. Uh, lots of information up there. Uh, Learn your and, history. And certainly, uh, it's a it's a terrific resource, and uh, we're very happy that you were able to make it in today. So, well, Sylvia, thank you very, thank much, you very for much for inviting me. It's been a, yeah, it's been wonderful. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for the podcast, historyslam at gmail.com. Twitter is at Dr. Shawnee Fever, and if you're out and you see Enrico Palazzo, please say hi. 
Thanks for listening to the History Slam podcast. Be sure to check out Active History for more features, articles, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes.